Hello, adventurer, and welcome to the Skyrim Book Club, the on-the-go solution for the busy adventure in Tamriel's coldest, far-reaching province. Let us collect the literature and lore of this great province for you and put it into a portable package so that you never have to stop fighting dragons, picking flowers, or stealing from shopkeepers when they aren't looking. With an ever-increasing archive, SkyrimBookClub.ca has got the story for you. Until next time, enjoy the book. Charwick Coninga Letters by Charwick and Coninga. Letters sent between Charwick and Coninga about their search for Azura's Star. Volume 4. Eight Suns Dawn, Third Era, 412. Amiglith, Somerset Isle. My good friend, Lord Gemlin. You must forgive me for not meeting you at the palace personally, but I've been unavoidably, tragically detained. I've left the front gate and door unlocked, and if you're reading this, you must have made it at least as far as the antechamber to the east drawing room. Perhaps you've already wandered the estate and seen some of its delights before coming to this chamber. The seven fountains of marble and porphyry, the reflecting pool, the various groves, the colonnades, and the quincunks. I don't think you would have already gone to the second-floor suites in the west wing, as you would have had to pass this room first and picked up this letter. But believe me, they are beautifully appointed, with magnificent balustrades, winding staircases, intimate salons, and bedchambers worthy of your affluence. The price of this property is exorbitant, certainly, but for a man like you who seeks only the best, this is the villa you must have. As you undoubtedly noticed as you arrived through the gates, there are several smaller buildings, ideally suited to be guard stations. I know you are concerned with security. Now, I am an intensely greedy man, and there is nothing I would have liked more than to meet you here today, to show you the grounds, fawn on you obsequiously, and collect a fat percentage of the cost of the sale when you bought this marvellous palace, as I'm sure you would have. My dilemma that caused my inexcusable absence began shortly after I arrived here early, to make certain the villa was well cleaned for your inspection. A man named Coninger crept up behind me and gripped me by the throat, clamping his left hand over my mouth and nose and throttling me with his right hand, crushing the soft spot on my throat just below the thyroidal cartilage. He effectively strangled me in a few quick but very painful minutes. I am currently buried in a pile of leaves in the north estatuary parterre, close to the exceptional sculptural representation of the transformation of Trinimac. It should not be too long before I am discovered. Someone at my bank will surely notice my absence in due time. Cornegan might have buried me deeper, but he wanted me to be ready for the arrival of his old partner, Charwick. Perhaps part of you thinks it is best to stop reading now, Lord Gemmon. You are looking around the antechamber and seeing nothing but doors. The large one you took to come in from the garden is locked now behind you, and without a better knowledge of the layout of the castle, I could not recommend you attempt to flee down a corridor that might easily come to a dead end. No, much better to keep reading and see where this is going. Conniger, it seems, was in a partnership with his friend Charwick to try to recover Azura's star. They understood it to be in the possession of someone named Hadwav Nithweir, a man who conjured up the Daedra Prince Azura herself to acquire it. As Nithweir originally hailed from High Rock, Charwick was there to look for him, while his partner searched Morrowind. They planned to communicate their findings by letters sent through couriers. Charwick's first letter stated that he had found information that Nithweir had a mysterious patron named Baliaser, a fact that he had learned at a cemetery with a gravestone of Nithweir's sister, Parira, and a lycanthropic caretaker. Conniger replied back that he could find nothing about Baliaser, but believed that Nithweir had returned to High Rock with Parira after getting the star. 
Charwick's last letter was written on his deathbed, having sustained mortal wounds from his battle with Baliaser, who, it seemed, had been a mighty Daedra lord. Conning aggrieved for his friend, and travelled the span of the empire to Wayrest to pay his call of condolences on Lady Morning, the woman at whose house Charwick had been staying. After making some inquiries, uh, Conninger learned that her ladyship had left the city quite suddenly. She had been entertaining a guest named Charwick, and it was understood that he had died, though no one ever saw the body. Certainly no healers had been sent to her house on the 13th of last seed of last year, and no one in Wayrest, just like no one in Tellarune, had ever heard of Baliaser. Poor Conninger was suddenly unsure of everything. He retraced his late partner's path through Borean and Grimtree Gardens, but found that the Nithweir family crypt was elsewhere, in a small town in the barony of Dwynen. There was indeed a lycanthropic caretaker, fortunately in human form at the time. When questioned, using the technique of strangulation, release, strangulation, release, he told Conniger the story that he had told Charwick many months before. Hadwaf and Parira Nithweir had returned to Dwynen, intent on settling old business. As the star requires potent spirits for power, they thought they would begin small by capturing the spirit of the werewolf they knew of in the family graveyard. Sadly for them, their grasp exceeded their reach. When the poor caretaker resumed his human form one morning, he found himself lying next to the shredded, bloody bodies of the Nithweir siblings. Distressed and fearful, he brought the corpses and all their possessions down into the crypt. They were still there when Charwick came, and so too was Azura's star. Conniger now saw things clearly. The letters he had received from Charwick were lies intended to keep him away. Undoubtedly, with the assistance of Lady Morling, his new partner, he had concocted stories, including one of his own demise, to trick Conninger into abandoning the quest for the star. It was clearly a sad statement on the nature of friendship, and one that needed immediate correction. It took the better part of six months for Conninger to find his old partner. Charwick and Lady Morling had used the power of the star to make themselves very wealthy and powerful. They assumed a number of different identities in their travels through High Rock and Skyrim, and then down to Valenwood and the Somerset Isle. Along the way, of course, the star itself disappeared, as great Daedric artifacts always do. The couple still had much wealth, but their love sadly fell on troubled times. When they reached Alinor, they parted ways. One must assume that during their months together, Charwick must have told Lady Morling about Conniger. It's pleasant to think of the loving couple laughing over the stories they were telling him about the mythical and dangerous Baliaser. Charwick must not have given his former beloved a very accurate physical description, however, because when Lady Morling, then under the identity of the Countess Ziliana, met Conninger, she had no idea who he was. It came as quite a surprise to her when he began strangling her and requesting information about her former paramour. Before she died, she told Conninger what Charwick's new name and title was, and where he was looking for a new palace. She even told him about me. Given all the twists and bends the last month's chase took him on, it was not difficult to find which palace Charwick was looking to buy, and what time his appointment was to view it. Then he had merely to arrive early, dispose of poor me, and wait. There our story must sadly end. I look forward to seeing you soon. Yours, Sirix Gornithi, former estate banker. P.S. Charwick, turn around now. Or don't. Your choice. Your friend, Conninger.